pose you in your learning positions, huh? Yes. So we're going to share a bit from the Word of God uh, from Romans tonight, and uh, just going to share a little bit about what God expects uh, from us and what God has done for us. And we want to know that so that we c- will walk in it, so we're able to walk in that. And so let's look at Romans chapter 8, and we will look at verse 19. This is going to be our eighth uh, part. This is the eighth message from Romans 8. The eighth message from Romans 8. Uh, let's go back to the very first um, verse in Romans 8 when Paul tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so that means that whenever the enemy attacks you to condemn you, to destroy your confidence, you just say there's no condemnation. Amen. There, there is, it's not possible because you do not uh, live in the realm of condemnation. You don't live in there anymore. So, <clears throat> amen. Amen. And Paul says, there's therefore now no condemnation based on what God has done through Jesus Christ. So when Paul cries out, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He says very quickly, I thank God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ has once and for all delivered us. And then we have to understand what that means and walk in that. Now, he didn't just deliver us so that you and I could just walk around uh, feeling, oh, I don't, I'm not going to hell. Uh, wow, thank you, Jesus, I'm not going to hell. And just do whatever we want to do. But he delivers us that we might uh, be a representation. And not so much as, as in my mind, uh, when we talk about something that r- represents, uh, sometimes we don't understand fully representing Uh, somebody is to be another presentation of that somebody. And so we want to represent Jesus Christ in our daily deportment as we live out our lives. This is what this is all about. And he says, those who do not walk according to the flesh or in alignment with the flesh, but according to the spirit. So then you and I have an obligation not to the flesh, but to the spirit. We have an obligation to the Spirit, to live according to the Spirit. And then Paul explains it in verse 2 by saying, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So most believers don't really grasp the freedom that we have from the law of sin and death. And as I gave an example recently that if we are, if we were born in a nation and came from that particular nation, then if something should happen, there was something catastrophic that happened maybe in nature or through war, and our, the place where we were born and brought up and lived was totally destroyed, we couldn't live there anymore. If it were an island, if it were a nation, it were, if it were totally destroyed, we could not live there anymore. And so what we must understand is for us, The old has been totally destroyed. It's there for those who live in that realm. But for us, it is totally destroyed. We cannot go there again, ever again. We can never live there again. So God wants us to understand that. So I want to just uh, go quickly to verse 19. Paul talks about uh, this glorious liberty of the sons of God. He talks about this, about creation, uh, 
just uh, having an expectation of God. And let's look at verse 19, and we'll read from, from there. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And when Paul talks about this, he is saying that we are the creation, the earnest expectation, the creation is longing for, looking for um, uh, the revealing of the sons of God because somehow creation that we would say is inanimate, that is without life, we may say that it's inanimate. We might think of the earth as being inanimate. We think of rocks and rivers and whatever being inanimate, not having life. But in a real sense, Paul starts to speak of, uh, of creation as though it has life. You know, I think you call that personification. You know, when uh, you give, as it were, personhood to something that we consider inanimate. Remember, now from our perspective, these things are inanimate. But remember when uh, John the Baptist said, God is able to raise up children from these stones to Abraham. He's able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, of course, after he had gotten the, the young the children and, and many in the crowd were shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. And, and then later Jesus was in the temple and he was doing all these marvelous things. And children, nursing infants, stopped nursing. They stopped nursing to, to give praise to God. And, and that's big. You know, when a little, little hungry baby stops nursing to give praise, and so, uh, the Pharisees were very angry, and they said, do you hear what these are saying? Make them be quiet. He says, if they do, the stones will cry out. So Jesus speaks of, of animation even in what we call inanimate. I think that's really huge uh, for us to know. This is one other thing Jesus is doing in, in these days. He is giving us understanding of his word his person and purpose. And he is also giving us an understanding of our person and our purpose. And he's speaking to us in a way that I believe we will not be able to miss it. This is what he's doing. So he says, the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, uh, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So uh, God did not allow creation to go on and produce and expand greater than the sons of God who had sinned. And he says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. And so he speaks of corruption as being bondage. You know, sin and and uh, the shame that comes with it, he says, is bondage. That means that you and I cannot produce and be what God really wanted us to be as long as we are in the grips of uh, corruption or that is subject, subject, uh, subject to uh, this natural order. We're, we will be subject to the natural order. So God has brought us beyond that. Why? Because the body is dead because of sin, Paul says. He says, but, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And so what God has done with us, he has given us now the Holy Spirit. And the indwelling Holy Spirit now has given this body productivity. Amen. This body now can produce what God requires, that is righteousness. So, so whenever you are, you've heard, you've heard, I'm sure, you can't help but. That's not true. 
that's not true that you cannot help but do wrong because uh, that's who we are. No, that's who we were. And God wants us to understand that. That's not who we are. He says that the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption, but not just from it, but into something. So then when we think about God and what he has done, it is more marvelous than we've ever known or dreamed. It is more marvelous than we've ever known or dreamed. So creation is eagerly waiting on us, the revealing of the sons of God, because our inheritance brings about something in creation itself. So creation glorifies God. You know, the, 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 when you look in the firmament, the firmament glorifies God. You see the stars and the movement, that glorifies God. So in some sense, the inanimate glorifies God as well as the animate. So Jesus Christ has what we call animated us, given life to us by, by the indwelling Holy Spirit. So he brought what was really dead to God and could not produce of what God desired. He, he gave it the ability to by the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is amazing. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Pastor. And so it will be delivered from uh, the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty into the glorious liberty. And uh, we talk about the glorious liberty. Uh, uh, our sister Jessica, uh, Pastor Obando's wife, Jessica. So she gave us a, a beautiful word. And I was going to comment on that word. And I was going to comment on some more things. But I got up here and I sat down and I just started commenting. Not on the specific things. But that was a beautiful word about the revealing uh, about the revealing. So whenever many of us have not been accustomed to uh, hearing words like this from the Lord, but we've we got to get uh, accustomed to that, more accustomed to that. Not flaky stuff, crazy stuff. We're not going to get accustomed to that, but that which is real and genuine. And when she talked about the God having to make a change in us that we might really see without being blinded by it, what we see. I thought that was marvelous, and, uh, and I was getting revelation from that. So what we find here is that we are delivered, uh, creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty, the glorious freedom uh, of the children of God. And so when you talk about glorious liberty, it means blinding liberty, so blinding and so amazing that you have to be transformed in order to walk it out or to perform. You have to be transformed. And she talked about that in the Word. And I was trusting that we were all seeing it. You know, in the old days, I probably would have jumped up and given a fuller, a fuller explanation of it. But now I, I was able to do that. So when we talk about glorious liberty, it's, it's an, an otherworldly liberty. It's not like you and I say, well, I, yeah, I like liberty. Yeah, I like liberty too, this kind. But this is a greater liberty. It is of sons of God that is yet to be revealed. What does that look like? And this is what the Lord, I believe, is saying to the church so that we will, as it were, hold our position and not quickly relinquish it because of pressures from the world system and enticements. But we will hold our position because there's something that's on the horizon that has not yet been fully revealed. We only have like tiny foretastes of it. So I am here to encourage all of us to keep 
doing what Jesus gave us to do and not to yield it up for that which is temporary. Everything in the world system is temporary. Every single thing there is temporary. It's on a short leash. But so we will, uh, creation itself will be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. So when we think about liberty, we think about uh, freedom to do or even to not do things that have, that have no relationship to salvation. So that means that we have uh, freedom, liberty, to do or not to do those things that have no relationship to salvation. So that means that you and I should be living a life, a Christ-centered life, is living a life that has much to do with salvation. We certainly should uh, walk away from those things that have no relationship. And so true living, true liberty, true liberty is living as we should live. So when you talk about I've got freedom, I've got liberty, it, it means to live as one should live, not as one pleases to live. So, so that's what we want to look at. Is that, does that make sense to you? So when we talk about the, the liberty and creation, uh, we have a relationship with the created order, uh, what we would call the inanimate, and it has a relationship to us. And let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. It talks about, um, uh, the, the scripture here says, uh, then, then to Adam, he, God, said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have not and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. This is so so big. So I, I wanna just say to any any men man here, or any, all the men, you know, when he says, Okay, I'm going to do this because you listen to the, your wife. It, it doesn't stop there. That's not the meaning of it. You, didn't, you, you listen to your wife, so you're punished for it. So don't go back home and say the pastor said that. What, what that means is that the, the wife's words contradicted what God's word said. And, and in this particular case, she contradicted what God said, and he listened to her. And, the, and Scripture says he was never deceived. But, but he sure was acting faithless. He was not deceived. It's like, oh, what have you done now, Eve? Well, I'm going to join you. You know, but he should have trusted God to redeem Eve. But he didn't do that. Listen, verse 18. It says, both thorns and thistles, the earth, it's speaking of the earth, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face or your brow. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So that's when God spoke to the earth and stopped the earth from, as it were, outproducing the man that he had planted on the earth. Uh, I, I think that this is what... We must understand these things, especially in the latter days. I said to you a number of years ago, many, many years ago, that I believe that the closer we would come to the coming of the Lord, the more understanding we would have. And I'm seeing it being given to us right now. And I'm not saying the same old things that we, were, that we heard before, but there's a newness even in the old. 
and, and this is what I believe the Lord wants you to, to know, and this is what he is confirming to all of us. He is confirming this to all of us right now. And so this is not a time period where we need to do, be carelessly uh, living out our life. Don't carelessly live out our life. So whatever God puts before us, let's do it with all of our hearts, with, with all the diligence we can muster. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and you do it by the Holy Spirit, not by human or self-effort, all right? We do it by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're, we're commanded by God to just say, let's just say, grit our teeth so, so what, somewhat and just do it. You know, like, I'm going to do this because you said it. And sometimes I don't feel like doing what God tells me to do. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I don't know if I even should say that, but you just don't feel like it. Lord, that person was really ugly to me. I don't feel like it, but you do it to the glory of Jesus, and you find, oh, that didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. It didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. Why? Because you obeyed. Paul goes on to speak of this cre uh, creation, groaning, you know, like, like trying to, as it were, birth something. Just like groaning and birth something. I, I, I would never want to be in the room with my wife if she were having labor. Oh, no. I would become an obstacle in that room because even just to, even just to, to go through the, the first moments of childbirth is just too much for this man. No, I want to read about it. I don't want to hear it. There's something going on here. There's something going on here. Creation is groaning. It's groaning right now. I mean, some of the, the things that are happening in nature, it's groaning and uh, it's trying to... Uh, bring forth something. Let's look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now this is beautiful. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. You know, the first fruits on a crop, they're generally the best fruits. They come first, luscious, beautiful, and then there's another crop that, coming, that comes you know, in the, in the similitude of the first fruits, but they're not the first fruits. And he says, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. So what God intended for man, God has given it to us first. Amen. We have it first. We're the, we have the first fruits of the Spirit, the, the movings, the, the producings of the Spirit. He says, even we, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. Just like creation, he says, we're doing the same thing, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And um, Paul says, uh, let me go ahead and read Colossians. Let's turn to Colossians 1.27. I think it's relevant, and we'll just share this quickly. Uh, Colossians 1.27, he says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What, what the, the Holy Spirit is saying through these scriptures is that God's intent was to give us, those of us who have faith and believe in him, the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit is not uh, renting. He's not leasing you. He, he, he actually now it got, is showing he's the seal of God's ownership. Of you, and so he has come in, not renting, you know, no, no, not leasing the house, but as owner of the house, and so he lives in you, and so the mystery is Christ in you, what the, through the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory, which means that God says, when I, when I, my Son takes up residence in you, I'm going to have everything from you that I want. That's what that's what God is saying to us. 
That's what God is saying. I know that there are people who will, they have this theology of yes, but. I don't have a yes, but theology. Yes, but. Yes, but what about? Yes, but what about? You can paint a thousand scenarios and, they, and none of them could be true. When God says it, that's the way it is. And so you, you may say, but look at me now. But you're not finished. God's not finished yet. God's not finished yet. God wasn't finished with me at 74, so he let me live a while because he had some more things to reveal. And I'm so grateful that God revealed some things at 75 that I never knew at 74. Come on. No, God's not finished with you. You need to tell yourself and the devil, God's not finished with me. Yeah, you need to do that. And so th this is marvelous what God is doing for us. And he is letting us in on his trade secrets. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's look at Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, uh, uh, Colossians 3, 4. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, appears. <laughs> Christ is not just a giver. Not just a giver, like there's something that is extraneous outside himself. It's called life, and he gives it to us. Or just because I know the, the difference between bio and zoe that I know now understand. No, zoe is, is the life of God, but it, it's, it's life. This life is in a person. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the life. He who has the Son has life. Who does not have the Son does not have life. It does not have the life, uh, the eternal life or the life that God approves. So he says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, when he is revealed, then you also will appear with him in glory. Not like glory as it is a station or a place in, uh, somewhere out in our natural distance. But no, we will appear just like he is we will be, that's the glory that we will appear shrouded in life. Life in us, the life of God in us, and then life, the life of God as, quote unquote, our new home or our new habitat. Amen. That's what God wants us to know. And, and it gives you strength, I tell you. I mean, you can, you can weather any storm when you know that you know. And don't ever say, well, I just don't understand what he said. And you never even made a phone call to ask. I like that one. All right. So, okay. So, um, so again, all of nature is personified as waiting eagerly for, for that time, just like it is, it is a human, as it were, or it has this amazing life. Let's look at verse 24. Paul says about the things I've just said. He said, for we were saved in this hope. So we were saved in this expectation, a, a, a different reality, a reality that is not earthly. It's a, it's a reality that is heavenly, that is only kingdom. We were saved in this hope. And then Paul says, but hope that is seen is not hope. So what Paul wants us to understand is that we have an expectation from God. He says, but if we already have reached that, there's no reason for, as it were, hope. It is now hope has become our reality. So it is our reality on one sense, but it's going to be 
in a greater sense in that we will actually see, feel, move, and, and walk about in that amazing hope. Paul says, for we were saved in this hope. And so that, that's why believers believe things that unbelievers don't believe. That's why believers see things that unbelievers don't see. That's why we expect things that they don't expect is because we are saved in something. Amen. Amen. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with the natural eye, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So it's like on tippy toes, like the Mutchler boys, right? <laughs> when they see their daddy, on tippy toes. So Paul says in Galatians 5.5, 5, I'll say that quickly, in Galatians 5.5, 5, he says, for we through the Spirit, um, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So how is it that we keep on going when anyone who is outside our sphere, outside our Christ sphere, outside our kingdom sphere, would have given up a long time ago? Why do you keep going? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because we wait through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is animating us Godward, not manward. Godward. Amen. Well, somebody ought to say amen again. Amen. Amen. So when he says we eagerly wait for it, we, have, we anticipate it, just like we're anticipating the coming of the Lord. How many of us are anticipating the coming of the Lord? I'm anticipating the coming of the Lord. Yeah, I want the Lord to come. I, I, a friend of mine years ago said to me, he had retired and he was waiting on his retirement, his 401k and all of that. And he said, you know what? And I thought at the time it was just crazy thing to say. He said, I hope I don't get to spend a penny of it. I thought, what? He said, I don't want to spend a penny of it. I want the Lord to come. And it really informed me. It blessed my heart to say, I've got a big retirement. I've got it just in case the Lord doesn't come. But I want the Lord to come so badly, I don't want to spend a penny of it. I grew that day. And I hope you grow that day, eagerly waiting for the, 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 the hope to manifest so that you are, you are eagerly waiting with perseverance. Remember, we talked about perseverance being steadfastness uh, or the ability to endure. Uh, it is the person who, who is not swerved from your deliberate purpose and your loyalty to the faith is in Jesus Christ. Boy, that, and you can hold up under the greatest and the severest trials and suffering. Wow. He says, no, that's why we keep going. That's where we keep going. When others would have quit, we can't quit. I remember when I was in Egypt and, and I was so tired and we're living there and I was so, so tired. It wasn't Egypt that was making me tired. It was just the fact that, that I, I thought God was just taking his time and I didn't want to wait. I was ready to do what God said. And I said, I just want to quit the process. And I remember saying that. I know you probably haven't heard many preachers who confess their weaknesses, you know, but, but I want you to know that I'm just like you. And I wanted to quit and I wanted to quit. And I was walking down this dark road in the late evening going to a Bible study that I was leading. But I wanted to quit and I was walking down that road and I can feel the emotion. Right this minute, I can feel the emotion. I said, I want to quit. Everything in me, as it were, is saying quit, but I can't. I can't. 
That's what I said, and that's who you are. That's why you persevere. Difficulties come, you persevere. Keep going. You keep going. Why? Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Okay, I've got a few more verses. Can you wait with me? Okay, let me go. Let's look at verse, verses 26 through however many I get, okay? 26. He says, he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Absolutely, he does. He helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Not, not the most godly person in here or watching online does not know what to pray for as we ought. We'd be praying for all kinds of things. We don't know how to pray for as we ought, but change in direction again. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I like the translation says, he makes intercession for the saints with groanings too deep for words. I grew up, you know, my background, I grew up, I was talking to uh, one of our uh, uh, elders a few days ago in my office and he, we were talking about some of the old times. And I can remember as a child growing up, by the way, whichever um, expression that you grew up in, whether it was Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, or, or Pentecostal, or whatever it was, Catholic, or whatever, you know, there were some things I'm sure you carried over, you still remember. And I remember uh, the, the aged women, I wasn't going to call them that, those who, uh, who were advanced in years. Uh, they would pray, and sometimes they would groan and moan. I, I don't know why. I don't know if they thought this is what the scripture meant, but they would pray, and when they ran out of words, they were just like, mmm, Lord, mmm, mmm. And sometimes they would do that until all over the church, it was like a tremor. And somebody would say, thank you, Jesus. And somebody would say, glory to God. And that, it was like the Spirit talking to Spirit. And all over the place, and after a while, there were manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were not contrived. They were not made up. And so he talks about the Holy Spirit making intercession for us, the saints of God. When you're in your deepest valley, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for you with groanings too deep for voice. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Verse 27 says, now, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So the Spirit doesn't have to use words. He starts to moan, as it were, to groan, it's God speak, I'm going to call it. And the father knows exactly what he's saying. It's like when a baby cries, that mom knows what that baby wants. So often that mom knows, oh, no, the, the baby's hungry right now. Well, how do you know? Well, I'm, I'm just a daddy. That's why I didn't know. But that mama knows and God knows what the spirit is saying. Without words, I was talking to one of our elders again, and, and uh, he and I were talking about it, and I said to him, 
we, you know, God is speaking. I didn't say, no, I said, God is, let me tell you what God is showing me and doing. And he said to me, he said, well, God is speaking to you in patterns. And, I, and, and for the first time, I, I recognized that a pattern is a pattern, sort of, you know, and I thought, I just knew God was speaking to me, but I didn't call it patterns until that moment. I said, wow, that's right. It's, it's patterns. And he said, you see, using words is not the best form of communication. And again, I grew again. I grew again. I, just. This is how much God loves us. And he says, Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because, why? Because he makes intercession for the saints, not contrary to God, but according to the will of God. According to the will of God. This is for you. This is so amazingly beautiful. It's incomparable. There's nothing that we can compare it with in this world. He's making the, the Spirit of God is not there to mislead you, but to lead you. When I was a boy, they used to sing a song, let the Holy Ghost lead you all the way. Let the Holy Ghost lead you all the way from earth to heaven. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. So let the Spirit of God lead you, beloved. We are in this amazing time. Let me, let me hurry to my exit. He makes intercession for you, the saint, according to the will of God. And we know, now this is what, as a result of all of this, there's something that the believer knows. And we know. Don't say, well, I'm wondering, I don't know. No. And this we know. All right? And we know. What do we know? That all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. These words ring so loudly to me. Many years ago, when my little niece, who was so much like my daughter, our daughter, that she could have been her twin, she was misdiagnosed in Houston, Texas, and she was now too far gone for the doctors to do anything, and the, the pneumonia had taken such a toll on her little frame and body. And I was there at that service, and I, it was such a painful service, so young, and she was leaving us. And I remember the preacher said, an old Baptist preacher was preaching, and he said these words, and we know that all things work together. Good things and bad things, all things work together for good to those who love God. We love God to those who are the called, not called, the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined 
for whom he foreknew. God foreknew you. You didn't know him before. Don't look in the mirror and feel sorry for yourself. No matter what you're going through, know you're going through. I'm going through. I'm going through. It doesn't matter what the world may do. I've made up my mind. I've started with Jesus. And I'm going through. I'm going through, Holy Spirit. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I'm going through. Doesn't matter my pain or suffering. I'm going through. For whom he foreknew. He also predestined. He predestined, predetermined you to be conformed, conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn. Not like Jehovah Witnesses get it all messed up. I just want to say that today. I normally don't do that, but they get it all messed up. They want to give Jesus firstborn as though he was the first being to be created. Not true. Jesus is firstborn because he's Lord over creation. He's the first, he's the one who created creation. You can't create creation Do you being created. There's someone higher than you. So he being God created creation. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And so Jesus, now being born of the Spirit, and came into Mary's womb, the Logos of God, the Logos of God, was in Mary's womb, was placed there by the Spirit of God. The Logos brought forth Jesus Christ as a man. And now Jesus tells Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is not a spirit, but spirit. And so you and I are now brothers to Jesus, born of the spirit. And let me finish my last verse, verse 30. Moreover, Paul's like saying even more than that, way more than that. On top of that, whom you, that's you, whom? He predestined. These, he reiterates, he also called. God called you to himself. Moreover, on top of all that good stuff, you whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. God, past tense, declared you righteous. You have to walk in that. It's not about your feelings. Walk in it. He declared you righteous. He justified. And whom he justified, he justified you, declared you righteous. You've been made righteous. These he also glorified. I end here. So, some want to say he will glorify. That's not what the scripture says. The, the Bible says 
that he glorified you. If a, a well-known theologian that you respect a great deal and, and they say, no, that's future, and you want to take that, you're not my enemy. I love you still. But this is what I believe the scriptures say. Those he called, he declared them righteous. Those he declared righteous, he has also glorified them already. So in the mind of God, in the mind of God, I'm glorified. In the mind of God, you are glorified. In the mind of God, we are all glorified saints. Why? Because there is nothing in creation or out of wherever. There's nothing that can say to God, take that back. Why have you done thus? So we are glorified. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the saints of God see what you have done. And what you have done cannot be undone. Can never be undone. From this moment, para siempre. Por los siglos a los siglos. The centuries to come over and over. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.